exhibit. Uh, I'm so appreciative of that. Uh, I know, uh, I guess the, the greatest thing I wanted to do is this morning to, uh, to accept new membership in the church. That's, that's a great, great reason to have a meeting. And I, I will tell you that the Robins are not here this morning. I, during the middle of the week, I got a text from Lacey, and she said, uh, can we become a member uh, Sunday without being there? <laughs> she said, I've got the flu. And uh, I said, get well. We can have a business meeting to accept new members anytime. And so that's the kind of people you want to be members, amen? They want to know if they can, even if they're sick, they could become members. So uh, that, that was pretty special this week. So continue to pray for those. Uh, you know, we, I, I don't know, uh, maybe Dr. Easterling could tell us. Russ uh, said he'd been listening to the Atlanta uh, news quite a bit. That's where Kent lives and... So the question was, uh, is the flu early this year and it's going to kind of run its course and it's going to be over with or are we going to have an extended flu season? Nobody knows that except the Lord. Amen. And whatever it is, we'll bear with it. What an opportunity to preach this morning uh, on the great commandment and, and the second. And so I look forward to that opportunity this morning and I pray that we could all right now just take a deep breath, and uh, I know some of you have been pedaling fast for several days to get here. Uh, I'm so appreciative of Deanna. Uh, Deanna, kind of, uh, Barbara is our uh, flower and decoration person. Uh, Miss Delois usually stands in for her, and so Barbara's out of town. Delois has had the flu this week, and so Deanna so graciously... Uh, took care of the decorations over here and the ne- decorations next door, and they're absolutely beautiful. So isn't it good that uh, people can step up and, and, and take things on when need to be? So the great commandment, we've already read from the Matthew account, and now I want to read to you uh, this morning from the Mark account, Mark chapter 12. Now why would we go to Mark chapter 12 when I'm preaching out of the 12th, I'm sorry, the 22nd chapter of Matthew. It's the same account, and, and Mark just adds a little bit of flavor to it that I thought was, was good. So it's, it's the same account, so I want to read that entire account to you from the book of Mark. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. You can see right here in, in the beginning, uh, there's just a little bit of difference in the two accounts. Two different people seeing the same thing happen. Uh, and right off the bat, one of them called the personal lawyer, the other one, the other account called a scribe. So a, a very learned man in the word. Here's what it says. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him. So you get the picture? This person had uh, experienced what, would been, what had been going on about paying uh, taxes to Caesar. Uh, he, he was there uh, when, when that came about. Uh, he's, he's heard uh, the, the, uh, the rest of the going on and trying to trap Jesus in, in some kind of a, a dilemma. And it says, he see, saw that he had answered them well. So now he has a question. Was the question given to him? Or is it a sincere question? We have really no way of knowing that. All right? Which commandment is the most important of all? 
Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. We know, and we'll see even again this morning, that's from Deuteronomy chapter 6, what's called the Shema. That's where he got his answer from. He got his answer last week about giving to Caesar what is due to Caesar, and this week he gets his same answer from the books of the law. Amen? Because that's what the Sadducees and Pharisees put so much importance into. Verse 31, the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one neighbor as oneself, is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to them, You are not far from the kingdom of heaven. So three things this morning. What is the greatest commandment? What is the second commandment? And then this question uh, is kind of laid before us, uh, or the answer that Jesus gave back to the man, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. So this morning, we're looking at the greatest, the second, and we're looking at, at this thought this morning. Where are you in relationship to being in, close to, or out of the kingdom of heaven. Because that's a pretty important thing to look at. So let me finish that up. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Lord, may you add to the reading of the word. May you bless the reading of the Word. May you anoint the the reading of the Word. May you anoint the preaching of the Word. And we pray that you might teach us about the greatest and the second commandment. And I pray that you might either convict us that we're not in the kingdom of God or show us that we're close or show us that we're in the kingdom of God and what we're putting our faith, trust, hope, and confidence in this morning. I pray to the Lord for those that have been pedaling real fast this week pedaling real fast this morning to get to this time and to get to our annual meeting. I pray that we could all take that deep breath and slow down and realize that we're here. Lunch is here. Uh, Everything is here to take care of the business that we came here to do today and that we could do justice to being here. And we could respect this time and respect your time and people's time in such a way that you get all the honor and glory. Lord, I ask this for myself, and it's in the name of Christ that I do pray. Amen. So, I want to just start this morning and just tell you one thing. You want to know how much you love God? You, you want that question answered pretty easily? Look at John fourteen sixteen. It's your first scripture there. If you love me, you will what? All right, so let me ask that question again. 
You want to know how much you love God. How serious are you about being obedient to His commandments? Because obedience divines our devotion and love for the Lord. Y'all find your spot in the program? So in Matthew 22, 1 through 14, we looked at the, the parable of the marriage of the king's son. You know, some wouldn't come when they were invited. They had to go out and invite more. One ended up being there, didn't have on the right get wedding garments, and he faced judgment. Then two weeks ago, we looked at verses 15 through 22 when the question was this, uh, what should you give to Caesar? Should you pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus uh, very wisely said, give to Caesar what's due to Caesar. Give God what is due to God. The one I couldn't think of what while ago, I've got it in my notes, and I'm glad I, I did. Last week, we looked at the very literal fact that there is a resurrection. Amen? And we're going to spend an eternity in a physical body, either in heaven or hell. We looked at that last week. And this week, we're looking at the great commandment. So Jesus has bested the Pharisees in two discussions already. They have yet to trap him. They have yet to lay any kind of trap that he didn't easily extradite himself from. And so this time, they use or at least a person, an expert, a, a scribe, a lawyer, they use this person to try once again to trap him. So this individual comes to Jesus and he says this, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Of all the laws, which is the great commandment? Now, I would, I would be surprised if, if, uh, if the majority of you who have been here as we have experienced preaching through the book of Matthew in particular, our looking at the Sermon on the Mount, I would be surprised if, if any of this surprises you this morning. But, but surely we can gain some insight to what we should do with what we know. We knew when, we, you, could, you, knew when you came here this morning, probably nine out of ten of you could have said the first commandment is love God with all your heart and all your soul and your mind. The second is like it, love your neighbors yourself, right? But it's one thing having a, a knowledge up here of it, right? And down here, having a real understanding of what he's talking about. So, there are various opinions on what they were doing. Were they literally, knowingly trying to trap him again? There are thoughts about, did this man come sincerely, or was he a pawn that was being used? And so, all of that makes sense, and... And, and Jesus did handle him very delicately. He didn't treat him like the scribes and the Pharisees, did he? What did he say to the scribes and, and the Pharisees? You hypocrite. All right, and we're going to look at the, the woes over in chapter 23. He didn't, he didn't treat him like this. But I want you to understand that this question was always on the mind of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees. Listen to this. Not much after this, in history, 
they studied and found out that there were 613 commands in the law. Y'all with me? 613 rules in the law. Now listen to this. 245 of them were positive. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbors yourself. 365 of them were negative commands. Don't do this. Don't do that, right? So you can see why they had some kind of understanding of needing to know which one's the most important. So the question was asked. Now, Mark does relate this a little more fully than Matthew, and that's, that's where we're at this morning. We're in Mark chapter 12. So I pray that you'd hold closely there in the Scripture. So he comes to Jesus, in verse 34, to kind of get us into our train of thought, he came and asked which is the greatest, and he told him which is the greatest, and he told him which is the second one. And then we have in, in verses 32, we'll pick up right there, And the scribe said to him, You're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there's no other besides him. That's a little addition to the Matthew account. We'll look at that in just a second. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and all the strength and to love one neighbor as oneself is much more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Man, there is some stuff in that verse. What's important, to love God and to obey His commands? Or is it to love God and to make the right sacrifices and right offerings? So a whole lot in that one or two verses. Now look at verse 34. And when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask Him any more questions. So, Don't you see that when this man came to Jesus, Jesus took him seriously. Amen? Look, anytime we come to Jesus seriously, he's going to pay attention to us. So I think this is another indication that this man came with some sincerity. He wanted to know the truth. And he says to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Now, I want to to say this and we're going to move on. Some think he was sent by the Pharisees, okay? Others think he came seeking more instruction. He wanted to be better instruction. But again, I want want to tell you this. I believe our Savior's fair treating of him indicated that this man was sincere. So let's take it that this way this morning. Now, if if you think differently, that's okay because there's varying opinions out there. But his first question was this. What is the first? and the greatest commandment. Out of 613, what's the first and the greatest? Now, he says, you shall love the Lord your God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Now, I want to tell you right up front, this is more than the love of today. The love of today is pretty polluted. It is pretty diluted. Matter of fact, I would think that what we would call the the love today used to be, might have been, I really like, or I like just a little bit. But love is a deep, uh, I'm I'm talking about a full-bodied devotion, adoration, love for 
an individual, a being. It's deep. And I want, to, I want you to know again, listen to me carefully, love is rooted in obedience. How do, you want to know how much you love God? How much do you love His Word? How much do you love trying to live in obedience to God's Word? I, I, I mean, I can't answer that for any of you. But any of you with just a quick thought would know already, I love Him a lot or I'm not too interested in Him. A little boy, this ought to rattle some daddy's cages. A little boy who loves and adores his father really loves his dad to the point of desiring to please him. I, I, y'all listening? A young man's greatest need is to know that his daddy loves him. And a little boy's greatest desire is to love his daddy. That's the kind of love for the father I'm talking about. The same type of love that a little boy has for his daddy and the same kind of love that a little boy desires to have from his father. It's that kind of love. The very dearest and deepest affection of the soul, the very deepest affection of the very being needs to be that we love God. You know, you, you talk to people and you're thinking, you're sitting and you're in your quiet time and you wonder why things are, are like they are. You wonder, why do not people obviously love God more than they do? Well, there's two problems. If you don't love God, Deeply, let me put it that way. Because I can tell you, none of us, including your preacher, love him with all our hearts, all our souls, all our minds, and all our strength. Do we? Yet, that's what we're commanded to do. So tell me there's not some tension here somewhere. Are y'all with me? That's the command. But none of us do. You know what that means? We wouldn't love anything else with any degree of passion at all if we loved Him with all our hearts and all our souls and all of our minds. This is an all-encompassing love. I love nothing more deeply than I love God. So, so what's the problem? Well, it's one of two problems. Either you don't know yourself. Anybody with me? Anybody here this morning? You don't know yourself. You don't understand that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That's, that's, that could be the problem. Because if you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and there's only one supply for that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, who God Himself sent, that would cause us to not love God if, we don't, if we're not sinners and we don't need a Savior. Or uh, the other problem is, you don't know yourself. The other problem is, you don't know God. One or two problems. It's not complicated. So we really, if we don't love God with some respect, we need to find out what the problem is. It's a very personal love. It's a love of a man for a woman. I love God with what? 
all my heart, soul, and mind. Now, where did this come from? Well, you, you know this scripture about as well as you know the New Testament scripture that we're looking at. You know the Shema about that well. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. But there's one right before it. Deuteronomy 6, 5, you see it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And Mark adds, with all thy strength. Mark also adds, the Lord our God is one Lord. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, our Lord, our God, the Lord is one. So the starting place is there is only one God. There's not numerous gods. There's only one God. So just quickly, for the sake of kind of understanding what does it mean, heart, soul, mind, and strength. So heart, both thoughts and feelings that are not divided with other things. My thoughts and my feelings should be towards God and God alone. Now what did I tell you? Nobody can completely do that totally, including your preacher. So what do we do about that if we can't? We're going to find that out this morning. The soul, that's our very being. Our emotions are involved. Is there anything you can get passionate about? Uh, we had some disc- Anytime you get a group of people together and you start at 7.30 and you're drinking coffee and eating white donuts, you know, you kind of get, you get your adrenaline flowing and passions flowing. And we were having some discussions this morning. And, and, and about some of those, we, I, we, we're pretty passionate, right? How passionate are you about your Lord? That's so, that's to the deepest of our being. Mind. This love is thought out. I know I'm a sinner. I know His Son is a Savior. And because of that, I ought to love Him with my mind. Look, for any of us that's got anything close to a right mind, which all of us, it might be questioned whether it's right or not, But we've all got mind enough to know we're sinners and Jesus is the Savior. But it's not mind alone. It's also that heart, thoughts and feelings deep within us. And then strength. Do you exert any energy towards the Lord and towards being obedient to His Word and towards advancing His kingdom? It's a... It's a big picture here. When we're talking about loving the Lord, your God, it's a big picture. In the Deuteronomy 6, 4, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the place that we got to start. There's not many gods. There's only one God. The God of creation, the God of heaven and earth, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's only one God. Amen? But remember... We are like our Israelite brethren. We are, we are people who turn quickly to what's that little word? Idols. Idols. You know what an idol is? Is anything 
that rivals God for your love. Oh, well, this one always comes to my mind. We are spoiled people. Somebody say amen. I mean, how spoiled are we? Not only do we want running water in the house, but when we take a shower, we want that, that water within one degree to be exactly what we want it to be. So, these first commandment surely refers to the first four of the Ten Commandments. Y'all, y'all remember those things? The Ten Commandments? How many rules do we have in the garden? One. How'd that work out? Moses thought, well, I'm going to help them out. I'm going to give them ten. How'd those work out? And, and somewhere in the case, we came up through the uh, scribes and the, and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. We got 613. We know how those are going to work out, Right? So God says, I got something different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something new. And we all say, amen, we're glad you did because we would have had no other way to be saved if you haven't done something new, the new covenant. So the first commandment is love God only. The second one is don't make any idols. The third one is do not take the Lord's name in vain. And the fourth one is keep the Sabbath day holy. So those four... He, uh, he, he directs his attention to in the first of the two great commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So what we see here is that God was not satisfied with the doing of the commandments as a duty. Are y'all with me? If we just do it, if you just came this morning to get the preacher off your back, or to check off on the check mark, you were in church on the Sunday morning, you're not meeting the uh, intent of what God intended for the assembling together of the saints. Amen? So, it's it's not in whether we just do it. What spirit and attitude did we do it with? What he was looking for And what he still looks for today is that we do what we do and we're obedient to his commands because we love him. And we want to, y'all help me with this, we want to please him. I wonder, man, this is not my notes. the, uh, The relationship between fathers and children between mothers and children they're, they're way out of sync I don't think there's the love for children that there used to be and I don't think there's the love for parents that there used to be amen now it, it's, it's in there somewhere right by the grace of God it's in there somewhere but If that's the case, don't you think that the root of that is there's not the love for God that there should be? And if we don't have a great love for God, I can tell you, you can be the the best check-it-off parent in the world. 
but you won't be the parent that God intended for you to be. Romans 13, 8 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. So, the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, and we're going to get that in the second commandment. You remember the Sermon on the Mount? You remember what he said in Matthew five seventeen? He said, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And somewhere down the road, we come to recognize that somebody's got to fulfill the commands of the law. Somebody had to do that. Somebody had to keep the Ten Commandments. Somebody had to love God and love his neighbor. Right? And we come to realize that it's not us that's going to figure out how to do that. But it was the Lord Jesus Christ. You see how he fulfilled the law? He was the keeper of it. He's the one that understood it and fulfilled the law. He, he kept it in the way that God intended for it to be kept. Look at Matthew 5, 21. You remember this? You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. You know what the keepers of the Ten Commandments is? They do not kill, Right? But what did Jesus say? No, 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 no. It's not just the do not kill. Look what he says. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So Jesus says, don't just keep the law. You've got to understand why you do keep the law. And the reason that we break the law, the do not kill, is not because we're just murderers at, at the root of the situation. We really are haters. He says, do not hate. Now, let me ask you. <clears throat> is there any way that I can keep from being angry with my brothers 100% of the time? Nope, there's no way. Matter of fact, there's not a fallen man yet. Y'all with me? There's not a fallen man yet that sometime during his lifetime did not get angry with God, with his wife, with one of his brothers. Are you with me? Every fallen man struggles with anger somewhere in, in his lifetime. So it's impossible to not hate. It's really it's really impossible in your mind not to murder as a fallen man. But somebody had to keep that commandment. Right? Was it you? Was it me? No, it was not. The law requires it be kept. Y'all with me? But it can't be kept. That puts me in a real predicament, right? I have things that I need to do that I can't do. Hang on. So the law requires it to be kept. And that is why we so need 
and so have a mediator. Someone who stood in our place. Someone who stood between me and God. Amen? Well, do you know who that one is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't we need one who has kept the law? Don't we need one who applies his keeping to our account when we trust in him? Aren't we appreciative that he gives us the grace, even in our fallen state, to see what he's done for us and give us the opportunity to love him I didn't say with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind, but supremely, even in this tempting and fallen world. Okay. If, if we can in the least manner love God the way He would have us to, to love Him, it's by the grace of God. But we've got to understand we can't keep the letter of the law. Why, that's why He had to come. He had to come to keep it for us. Now, the law, uh, Ray Comfort calls it a taskmaster. The law as a taskmaster has drawn us to the keeper of the law and to our Savior. We saw the law, we saw we couldn't keep it, but we saw one who did keep it. And he kept it and applied it to our account. So it drew us to him. Our Savior calls this the first and the greatest commandment. So now that by God's grace we can love God, here's the second commandment. Love the Lord your God, how? With all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Are you going to be able to do that? Do you think you can keep that? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you have to keep that? If you have to keep that, we're all going to fail. We're all going to split hell wide open. Wow, have I missed it or are y'all missing it? We cannot keep that extreme law. So we've got, to, we've got to trust in one who did keep it and kept it in perfection, just like the rest of our life. We're not trusting in what we've done. We're trusting in what he did and he continues to do. Now, is there a bar up here? Should I love him that way? Yes. Can I do it? No. So love Him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And the second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, who do we got if we're going to love our neighbor? If we're going to be a good neighbor, we got to, first of all, we got to do what? Love God. Amen? We, we got to be in a good stead. We got to be in good stead with the Lord. So, we see why He got the first one. He got the first one right, right? It all starts with our loving God. Then he's second. The second is like it. Love your neighbor yourself. Love to our neighbor. Now, (laughs) uh, wouldn't you all like to have neighbors like... uh... (laughs) I can't find anybody. (laughs) Wouldn't y'all like to have neighbors like Mark Scroggins? 
Wouldn't it be great? Okay? I mean, and we could just fall in and love them all, right? But what if we had neighbors that had loud cars, loud dogs, throwed trash in the yard, didn't respect the neighborhood? How easy is it to love those? But we're commanded to do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Did you know that when it says love your neighbor as itself, it doesn't mean just love people like Mark. It really means love people like you in your fallen state. This is pretty serious stuff. The second is this. Love to our neighbor flows from no other principle than the love of God. We will not love our neighbors. Oh, and let, me, let me get a little closer to home, okay? This, is, this, really, this really stirs uh, up our, our, our ladies sometimes. But you know, there's that scripture in, uh, in Peter that talks about being submissive even to a cruel master. It talks to wives about being submissive to your, uh, your husbands, even cruel tyrants of husbands. Well, that's the same thing with loving your neighbor. It doesn't just mean those people like you that act like you that you love. So loving others, just as loving God, is the very fulfilling of the law. Where did it come from? Well, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 is where the love of God came from. Leviticus 19, 18, You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, all of you that do that, all of you has got that one down, just raise your hand. Yeah. But he commands us to do it. Your neighbor. Your neighbor is every man. Just as you would be, the, be some woman or some man to somebody else. Every man. Doing all for them that you would dream that they might do for you. That you'd treat your neighbors just like you would want to be treated by all of your neighbors. Matthew 7, 12. This, is, uh, this verse really kind of encompasses both of these. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So he says, love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. Well, how easy is it to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength? I believe it's an impossibility that we ought to be striving for. How hard is it to love anybody else like you love yourself? I don't think loving ourselves for most of us are the problems. Because I'm way more likely to highly esteem myself than I ought to. Amen? On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If it, is, if, if, it, if it is law, if it's a law in the Old Testament, 613 of them, let's just take it, take it at that, okay? These two cover them all. See where we're getting to? 613 of them, these two cover them all. Right here, the entire duty of man is covered. Love God, love your neighbor. The entire Bible is our rule. We don't just have the first five books of the Bible. We've got 
the other 61, ver- 61 books of the Bible. The entire Bible is our rule. Jump on it. You keeping all of those? None of us are. So Moses summed up the Ten Commandments by which all the precepts of Scripture are covered. So here we had it. Moses up until that time had the books of the law. He gave us ten. Now Jesus has got all of those that have been added, the entire Bible, and he gives us two. So Christ himself brings it down to two commandments, telling us that real love for God is the fulfilling of the law, doing what he said to do. Look at verse 32 again. And the scribe said to him, You're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there's no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one neighbor as oneself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So, you know what is being said here? These two, are you with me? Loving God and loving your neighbor. These two is better than all the keeping of the, of the commands and all the burnt offerings and all the sacrifices that were ever kept. This is better. Love God and love your neighbor. 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, has the, Lord, has the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings? As in what? Obeying the voice of the Lord. What did I tell you right off the bat? You want to know how much you love God? How obedient are you to his commands? All the while knowing there's no way we can keep all his commands, how much desire do we have to keep those demands? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Yet even sacrifices has to be bound up in a desire to be obedient. Now, you're ready to follow just a little further? And not only to be obedient, but to be motivated to be obedient because of how much you love God. Is that too difficult? Okay. Why do we do what we do? Do we want to be obedient to God's law? Yes, we do. But why do we really do what we do, because we love the giver and the keeper of the law. Then we're getting close. So, hopefully this is going to wrap it up, and hopefully those deer-in-the-headlight looks will go away here just in a minute. So, you have this young man that God says this to him. You are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Do you know that old saying, there's only two things that being close counts in? Horseshoes and hand grenades. Being close to the kingdom of God is not being in the kingdom of God. In other words, if you're close to the pole, you get a point, right? Or if you throw a hand grenade, you don't have to be right next to it. If you're in a certain diameter, it's going to do its job anyway. But that's the only thing that 
close only counts in. So, Christ tells the scribe that he was not far from the kingdom of God. But that won't work for us. We're either in the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of the devil, or we're in the kingdom of God. How do we know that we're in the kingdom of God? Jesus understood the law, and he understood that giving sacrifices and offerings were not necessarily a real indication of true love. Because we can give burnt offerings, and we can give sacrifices, and we can do, amen, without having a great love for God. We can check them off. Right? That's what we don't want to do. Obeying out of a love and respect for the Lord was the key. So was that, that, was that guy at that point yet? Did he love God yet? Was he doing it out of a love for God? He, not yet. He was at the place that God wanted him to be. All right, so get this. Only by the grace of God can a fallen man rightly love and obey God. If I am in the least way obeying and loving God, it's not within myself that I gathered up that. It's by the grace of God. It's His Spirit in me. It's a new heart and a new spirit that gives me a love for and a desire to please God for who He is and for what He's done, not to check off a list of things that I've done. So love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in so doing that, you might be close to the kingdom of heaven. But we've already established that close is not close enough. So I want to I close with three scriptures. Again, praying that if I haven't brought this together, that God will in these scriptures. Acts 20, 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so what does it take to be in the kingdom of God? Well, the young man was going to have to get to the place to see two things. He had to get to the place that he saw that he was a sinner. Are you with me? There's no need for repentance unless you're a sinner, right? And then, if he understands that he can't keep the law on his own then he's got to turn to putting his faith, are y'all with me? Hope and confidence, not in what he's done, but in what Christ has done. Let me read that scripture again. Acts 20, 21. Testifying to both Jews and to Greeks of repentance. I have broken God's law. I continually break God's law, and I must turn from my sins. And then... Being willing to turn from my sins, I have still a requirement to love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and love my neighbor at myself, which I know within myself I can't do, but I do know one who did that. And so I put all my faith, hope, trust, and confidence in the one and only keeper of the law. And that's in Christ Jesus. Jesus. 
So where was this young man? I don't know if repentance was a problem, or I don't know if putting his... Okay, so it's, it's one thing to be repentant of our sins. It's another thing in putting our faith, hope, trust, and confidence, not in what I have done, whatever that might have been, but in what Christ has done. All I know about this young man, he's close, he's trying to figure it out, amen? All right, look. If you don't know if you're in the kingdom of God or not this morning, you need to figure it out. Is repentance the problem? You just can't say, I am sorry. You can't just tell God, I know I've broken your law. You just can't do it. Then, we're going to look at the scripture. We'd pray, and you should pray, God grant me repentance. But, but, but I think in the world that we're living in, we all have, matter of we're, <laughs> we're being taught that we're winners if we finish 16th out of 16 teams. Are y'all with me? That's, that's what our kids are being taught. So, so we're, we're being taught that we're pretty good. We're good folks. Everybody's good. But we know that's not the truth. We know we're sinners. We know that we're not law keepers. We know that. So, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, I don't, I don't care. Give me a list of 20 things you've done. And all of them came right out of the law. Keeping those won't get you into heaven. Because I believe James says, you've got to not just check off 1 through 20, you've got to check off 21 through 99. In other words, if you're going to depend on what you've done, you've got to be perfect. Acts eleven eighteen. When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. If you can't admit that you've fallen short of, of bringing honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, and keep me, pray to God that He would grant you repentance. you got nine grandchildren. You're watching them. You, you don't see much evidence that they're repentant. What can you pray? God... Pray this scripture back. God grant them repentance. If he hadn't granted it to you, you wouldn't be repentant. Me either. Then Mark 1, 14 through 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We're back to the guy. Which of these two had he missed? Repentance? Or belief in what Christ did on the cross? That's the gospel. Which had he missed? We don't know, but he was close, right? No, no, no. 
that other than doing the scripture and repenting and believing the gospel, there's not enough that you can do to be saved. But it's got to be trusting in Christ and what he did. Then and only then, when we realize what we were and what he did and who God is and what he did, only then can we even begin to love God. Know the gospel. And what is the gospel? I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Amen? That's the first, repent. The second, believe in the gospel. Christ is that Savior. Amen? That's the gospel. Now, I've got six more points. You're looking at them. Teach your children that they're sinners. That's not saying that they're bad kids. <laughs> I remember Jeannie teaching in some class and taught the kids that they were sinners. Well, one mom took great offense to that, that we would call her daughter a sinner. Teach your kids that they're sinners. Teach your kids to be big enough to admit that they're sinners. To admit that they're wrong. To admit that they're sorry. And to ask God for forgiveness. Teach them that they're sinners. Teach them that they need a Savior. Amen? And that Jesus Christ is that Savior. Teach them that Jesus is that Savior. And teach them... To love God. Pray fervently that God would give them spiritual life and grant them the repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's a great morning to be in the Lord's church, and I pray that uh, God would bless the reading of His Word. Tom, I'm, I'm going to ask you to come. You're not scheduled to do this, I don't think. I'm going to ask you to come and uh, kind of wrap wrap that up and lead us into our meeting.